What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome back to the Swanky Disc Golf Show. Oh, my goodness gracious. We have so much to talk about. Huge storylines, huge drama, controversy, question mark. <laughs> uh, my name is Luke. I am your host of the Swanky Disc Golf Show, and I have with me my co-host Josiah. Reed yes, is absent sir. this week because uh, he just had a baby. He just yeah. had baby number two. So big congratulations to Reed. Literally, I don't know, th- four three days, days ago, ago, five days ago, three I days ago, Thursday. something like that. Thursday. Yeah. Reed yeah. had a baby. Crazy. Uh, huge congratulations to him and his wife, his whole family. Super exciting, but he will not be with us, um, which is fine because he lost the prediction game again. So it doesn't <laughs> really matter. <laughs> uh, we're talking worlds. PDGA, in case you're living under a rock. And you're listening to this disc golf podcast because you were just like, cool, what's disc golf? Uh, The Disc Golf (laughs) World Championships, PDGA, Professional Disc Golf World Championships, presented by L.L. Bean, uh, was this past weekend. Five Really, it's past week. Five rounds. It was absolutely electric. And there's a lot of storylines. But we're just going to start off. I guess we can kind of go over last week's predictions. We don't have to talk about it too long. No, um, we don't have to. Josiah ended up coming out on top. Yeah. Own Scoggins <laughs> was Reed's pick, and she DNF'd. So we've actually, I don't think we've ever really had that happen before. Usually the player just doesn't show up. We've had that happen before. Yeah. So we we've decided had some to, DNFs, yeah. but, but usually it was like an underdog or like a dog. Ah, uh, yes, that, yeah. That's yeah, DNF. this was Reed's we've winner. We've never had a, a predicted winner DNF. So Yeah. Uh, had major elbow issues, I guess. So we just counted yeah. her as last place for Reed, which I think we he would have lost anyways. But he he lost anyway. If you if yeah. you dropped all of our lowest, Reed loses, and if you put Own in last place, he still loses. So Reed did pick Isaac Robinson, though, didn't he? No, I did. Oh, you did. Nice. <laughs> I had Isaac he, and Kristen. Oh, he I had Calvin both the winners. Probably. Uh, he picked Ricky. Well, yeah. Kristen doesn't even. Okay, of course, <laughs> that's just like chewing. <laughs> you get no uh, it, it credit was. for picking Kristen. <laughs> no, but you guys had opportunities to pick Isaac, and you didn't. Yes, so. no. I could have picked out. Well, I don't think I did. Maybe I did. I picked Paul Macbeth because, you yeah, did, we'll but get you into both, that. You both picked Dog of the Weeks first yes. is what happened. Well, I and thought everybody I else was like, going to pick right, Nate I'm... Sexton, and Nate Sexton is really what took me out of it. He finished in... <laughs> 84th place yeah i thought he would play it safe which technically i mean he made cash there's like 250 people in the field that's true so he did decent Um, that's true but i the one thing i do also want to say about worlds before we get into it i remember i know last week we were talking about what can we do to make worlds more exciting this was the most exciting disc golf I've watched all year, and it wasn't yes. even close. And so I don't know what we were what we were on last week, but um, <laughs> this was this was awesome. And I'm sure there are definitely ways to make it even bigger and better. But uh, I highly enjoyed just this entire week of disc golf. That's for sure. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. I think the the five rounds, the A and the B pool, we were all mm-hmm. talking and saying like realistically, Worlds is different. The five, just the one extra round of it being five rounds does add a lot because you're like truly the best player has time to stand out and make it through in five rounds. Like nobody's mm-hmm. out of it. I mean, you know, basically <laughs> nobody's out of it after the first round who you know has a chance. That's true. Um, 
Yeah. And it was crazy how it was many electric. people held on for five rounds, though. Yes. That's what was so crazy. This year was, I'm going to say, I mean, I, I am sort of a 2020 professional disc golf watcher. I'm a COVID baby when it comes to watching. But I've gone yeah. back and watched a lot of the world championships and stuff like that. I'm saying short of James Conrad's throw-in, as far as watching all five rounds, this is the most exciting disc golf I think I've like ever seen. It was yeah. so nail-biting, so down to the wire. There were like 10 people in it the last day. Maybe more than that. There were like 20 people in it the third day. It was <laughs> super true. good golf. I mean, it's crazy yeah. competitive out there. Yeah. Let's go ahead and, and start in on some storylines. Looking at FPO uh, first. So the storyline is Kristen Tatar. We did a send it or end it last week of would she win by more than 10 strokes? We're not even talking mm-hmm. about whether she won or not. Of course she won. <laughs> uh, she did not win by 10 strokes. What were your yeah. thoughts on Kristen Tatar's performance? Um, I am not surprised, uh, first of all, that she won. Um, I am a little surprised, even though I said that she wasn't going to win by more than 10. I am a little surprised that she didn't. And from I did watch a lot of the FPO. It wasn't like... You know, I didn't get to watch the FPO, and I mainly watched the MPO. I watched a lot of it. And the first two days, she showed up just like she normally would. Day three, I think, was the only day where it seemed like she was struggling um, comparatively. But Missy Gannon also just showed up on that day. So it also, I think, made her look a little worse. But props to missy she put up as big of a fight as she possibly could and she i popped think, off and i really genuinely think today would have gone a lot different if she hadn't double bogeyed whole 18 yesterday mm. um i really genuinely think that really just kind of threw her off because she was she was only two strokes behind and then she went to five strokes behind going into the last round and that's a big yeah, difference, especially in FPO. Like two two strokes is like I I have a shot, and five strokes is like yeah, there's no shot when it's Kristen that you're trying to catch up. You can't you can't gain five strokes. So Kristen, I think, just played solidly, and I think after she went up to just such a huge head start, I think she did struggle on day three. But after that, I think she just knew she had to play consistent, and I think that's all we saw. We didn't see anything like we we didn't see phenomenally big rounds but we saw her play great golf and she still hit 50 foot putts and she was still smashing drives she just played consistent all the way to the end yeah no i agree missing missy gannon definitely this was one of the more impressive performances i think we've ever seen from her i mean she had that pro tour championship push where she won and that was insane Mm -hmm. but Keeping pace with a determined Kristen Tatar in the World Championship was wild with the pressure. And the first day, she was struggling so bad in the rain. Um, and she showed yep. a lot of grit and determination. It was it was actually pretty wild, but she just could not keep up with the pace of Kristen. That's the thing, is this is Missy Gannon playing outside her mind. And this is Kristen Tatar just doing her thing that she does every single week. That's what makes Kristen Tatar so insane she is a monster i texted that to the group chat today on hole 12 i just remember i think she was up by seven or eight strokes hole 12 has a 40 foot putt for birdie she's up by seven or eight strokes there's not like major danger ob but there is ob around the basket there's some elevation could have easily rolled ob and she just steps up super casually like doesn't break a sweat 
doesn't look nervous whatsoever, and caches the 40-foot birdie putt when she's already up by seven or eight strokes. I was like, she's so savage. (laughs) Like, how demoralizing is that? (laughs) Um, For real. She bogeyed hole 16, double bogeyed hole 18. Doesn't matter. Yeah, that one doesn't Still wins by six strokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Missing Annan, super impressive storyline. Uh, I was wrong about who it was, but I was kind of right in saying it could be a two-horse race. Like, it's Worlds, there's a big field, somebody could get up and, like, That's true. do a sort of Eagle McMahon and Paul McBeth thing from the Euro Championship last year, European Open last year, and it kind of happened. Missy yep. Gannon was there. Holland Hanley mm-hmm. popped off. Big shout-out to the Finnish gals. Evelina yeah, Salonen. All three of them. Hannah Blomroos tied for fourth. Silva Saarinen, whose name I have not heard a ton until very recently. Yeah. I think but she's, she's super been doing young. super well. That like, makes sense. I think sense. she's like super young. So I don't think she's played in the States much, I guess. No, I don't think so either. But um but yeah, from my uh, yeah. recollection, she's super I think it young. was day two or day three though. She had a pretty strong push, uh, was up there with the leaders. Um what we can talk about is Katrina Allen being 13 over par, uh, <laughs> like 30 strokes or whatever. And we're just going to real quick shout out Hunter. 40, from 39. 40. 30, 39 40 strokes, strokes off, the lead. off and of Kristen's tar. Let's just throw back to the Griplock podcast where Hunter was like, it is shocking that Katrina Allen finished so bad at Ledgestone, was it, or and something? Think, it was something, and I think her best sense that comment has been like 20 strokes off the lead. And yeah, Trevor was like, like dude, like, I'm not shocked. Like, I think was. it's crazy because she should be better. But I'm not shocked because she. this is what she does now. And here we are, the world championship. She finished like 40 strokes off the lead, yeah. um, which is crazy. I don't know what's going on with her. She's a good player, but she yeah. something is not clicking there. No, that's uh, for sure. Pretty crazy. Super fun FPO field to watch. I'm kind of glad it wasn't just a major blowout. It's super fun yeah. watching Kristen Tatar play because her strategy and her play is just so clean. Uh, but, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that there was some storylines there that's for sure so it was a lot of fun i i like i genuinely loved watching fpo and i think honestly there are a lot of fpo players that can put out as good of a rounds as Kristen, but Kristen is the only one who can do it four or five rounds in a row like and like so like there she did not have the hot round today even if she parred hole 18 she still wouldn't have had the hot round Hmm. of the day and that's kind of like the theme for most of the day like silva saranen i think she had minus seven today and she had another round where she had like minus eight Mm, but she only finished total minus eight on the week just because she had some pretty bad other rounds. And I think that was just kind of the storyline with a lot of the talented FPO field is they just couldn't string together any consecutive super great rounds, except for Kristen and Missy, obviously. But Yes, yeah. I feel like that's similar with Isaac. Uh, he just shot super consistent. He had, yeah. I think, day two he shot six under, which put him a little bit behind. But other than that, uh, nine under the first day... Nine under the third day, 12 under the fourth day, and then 10 under today. It's just wildly consistent within yeah. three strokes each mm-hmm. round. Um, and like we we see Eagle McMahon can drop a 14 under and a 13 under, but he yep. also is going to shoot a bad round every now and then, whereas Isaac is just like Mr. Consistent 
uh, before we jump over to MPO, we'll talk big FPO storyline. Is Kristen Tatar qualified to be called the GOAT as of now? That's a good question. There's a lot of caveats there. There's a lot of things yeah. to think about. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Mm. But I think next year, if she puts down the same thing that she did the last two years, then yes. But I yeah. think this has only been just two years of like complete dominance. And, you know, they were talking a lot about how this is the first FPO winner to win back to back worlds in like 20 years. Yeah. I think since Juliana Corver, I think is what they were saying. Um, and that to me is just interesting because everybody has said Paige Pierce was so dominant, but I didn't know that Paige Pierce had never one back to back with how many that she has yeah. won. Um and to me that's kind of astonishing. Does she have and seven? She has five, I think. Five or six. I thought she had more no, than she, that. I think she I think she only has five because Paige and Paul both had five at the same time. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Because I have a five time undertaker, I think, of Paige Pierce's um and so I think she still only is at five because I think she just barely missed. Oh that yeah, sixth. no, I think the record yeah. is seven. Okay. See, that would make sense. Yeah, and I think five, I just don't seven. think anybody has put down like notable dominance. Whereas in MPO, it's clearly, you know, Ken Climo dominated forever. And now Paul Macbeth has been dominating forever. I mean, Paul Macbeth was top two for 10 years in a row. This is the first time he didn't. Yeah, since 2012. And yeah. And that is like clearly dominance. And I think that there just hasn't been any FBO player that's just dominated for that long to that mm. effect. But I think Kristen's well on her way to becoming that. Yeah. Yeah, that's where the question gets tricky in that I would say that right now the disc golf she is playing is the best female disc golf we've ever seen in Absolutely. our lives. Like, by far. <laughs> like, I've seen some yeah. of those old worlds, and they were just not... Like, disc golf's a young sport... And it's like watching basketball from like its early stages where it's black and white and these guys just look super goofy. <laughs> yeah, they're not, for real. I know what you mean. <laughs> or, or like tennis players that are using wooden tennis rackets. You're like, they didn't know the sport as well. They didn't have the technology, the training, the whatever. Kristen Starr, I think, is by far playing the best. I mean, even with Paige Pierce, as insane as Paige Pierce was, uh, like Chris, Kristen is playing against, in my opinion, a more competitive field now. I know it yeah. sucks that Paige isn't there to try and give her a run for her money, but Paige was there for a while and was just not showing up for whatever reason. I think Kristen Starr is by far playing the best, the best female disc golf we've ever seen. Um, but yes, the accolades and the career has yet to be solidified. I guess as it's kind of like. This is probably a super hot take, but I think this is what some people would try to argue if they were to say LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. I don't necessarily think he is, but what you could argue is like it's the LeBron argument where it's like LeBron's debatably a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. He's built yeah. different. He's literally yes. built different. We have technology that can make him be built different, <laughs> and it's yep. insane, but he doesn't have the career, the accolades. That Michael Jordan. Yeah. He doesn't have no, for real. the hustle either. But I think um, <laughs> Kristen Tatar has the hustle. And I think if she keeps this up, what's what I think is a little sad, though, is Paige Pierce started so much younger 
maybe didn't start so much younger, but her career took off younger. Yeah. I think they're about the same age. I could be wrong. I view them as like the same age, but Kristen yeah, Tatar is in her prime right now, or like what we're seeing as her prime, and she's what, thirty three or something? Yeah. And if we know anything about MPO disc golf, we know that's like the not the decline, but you're getting pretty close to the decline. Yeah. Uh, but the way she's playing, maybe it's not a big deal. I think she's the best female disc golfer of all time thus far, but she does not have the the career stats yet. I would agree with that for sure. So, and yeah. it's it's hard to do, and you know, in five years we'll probably have a more definitive answer on that as yeah. disc golf continues to grow and things like that. Yeah, part of it is also probably the fact that she didn't play in the U.S. as much, and we just know Paige Pierce being at Worlds yeah. for all those years and stuff because yeah. she's been in the U.S. forever. Kristen Starr always says like that the European courses just don't rate as well. She's like, I've been playing this way for a long time, but I don't have the rating because yeah. they don't rate the same in, in Europe. Um, no, and she just – I don't think – I think when she started playing professionally was right before COVID, so I think she just missed – like a whole lot of opportunities to yeah. actually prove herself before that though she probably could have been you know at least in contention or just as dominant as she is now and we just don't know yeah no for real and i know she was in the states for like a minute struggled a little bit here and there but i don't know once she got her footing unreal we'll see how it goes down the line we'll see if Paige pierce makes a recovery and can like get back to her former self her and Paul Macbeth just seemed to have kind of similar, like, parallel uh, career paths at yeah, the moment. for real. But we'll get into that more. Moving over to the MPO storylines. This, like I said, I think this is one of the most entertaining, and we're a little biased. We're buddies with Isaac and the yeah. some of the Prodigy guys, so we're super excited for him. But this was, like, the most entertaining disc golf I think I've ever watched. Obviously, <laughs> outside of, like, the holy shot, which I did, like... That's insane. But as far as the entire tournament goes, uh, like that tournament was pretty exciting. James Conrad had a chance, but coming down hole 18, you were like, he doesn't really have a chance. I don't know. (laughs) But that's insane. That doesn't even count. It's in a tier of its own. This was the most exciting five rounds I think I've ever watched. What did you think about the MPO? It was so much fun because every day the lead card was different. There was somebody yeah. winning every, like somebody different winning every day. You were hearing crazy rounds by somebody jumping up 30 spots, you know, because they went minus six and then minus 12 the next day. And that every day there was just somebody that seemed to be doing well. And it's like, oh, is this going to be the person that, you know, comes to the top? And Isaac was sneaky. Like he wasn't in lead card i think until yesterday and the first three days he was just sitting there in that like eighth to tenth just hanging on there and then yesterday he was on lead card and he was like all right this is my chance and just popped off yesterday just to put him in that position to win but it was just so much to watch so many different names and that top 20 to 30 the names were completely different every day. And that was just so exciting to watch because we've been talking all year about how the field is 20 to 30 people that could win at any point. And it genuinely felt like that up until probably middle of the round yesterday um, where it was like, all right, there's only a handful of like, there's only 10 people that might win it. But up and through day three, 
like watching Cole Radallin pop off and then fall apart, you're like, that could happen to anybody, you know? Oh, so yeah. You just, no, you just never know what's going to happen. So, yeah. And I feel like we talked about, we've been talking about that for years now, saying like, disc golf is super fun to watch, but man, I wish there was more than just the four guys yeah. that win every single tournament or like that we know are going to be at the top of the leaderboard and in it. And this was like, Man, if I just re- I'll I'll go through in case you guys don't know the standings. Of course, like spoilers are out the window. We're in the era of live sports. People were there. Sorry, yep. um, but just like literally the top twenty names on this list is the most exciting thing ever. I'm not gonna read them all, but of course, like your top four: Isaac Robinson, Anthony Barella, Eagle McMahon, Matteo, and Calvin Heimberg. That is so crazy. <laughs> that's just and awesome to see. And that's four strokes between five players. Yes, like first four through strokes fifth was four, four strokes. Yeah, yeah. and so. then Gannon Burr and Alden Harris, the Prodigy Boys, both tied for sixth place. And that's the thing. Like, there's so much pressure, or like, obviously hype around winning. Winning is the huge thing. But this was a tournament of almost 300 people. And you have three prodi- the three Prodigy Vlog Squad boys in the top six. Mm-hmm. And one of them won. Absolutely yeah. insane. And then you see and all as, of the And Ezra was suspects. in 15th. Yeah, and Ezra was in 15th. That's insane. Uh, and, yeah, you got Chris Dickerson, James Proctor, Ricky Wysocki, Paul McBeth. Like, these guys are still there, and they were kind of it. They were low-key in it. The big storyline coming down this stretch, um, Anthony Barella did end up coming in second place in actually like the most dramatic fashion yeah. ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We can talk about that. But for a while, the storyline of today was Eagle, this, of the past two days, was Eagle McMahon hunting. Like, yeah. absolutely uh, tearing it up. I can't remember. Maybe it'll show me what place he was in on after round three. I think Eagle McMahon. Ah, uh, yeah, it's not really show. Well, it, it shows me like he jumps 40th. after round three. Let me see what this is. Yeah, he jumped thirty-seven spots, and then twenty, and then he jumped twenty-five spots when he shot fourteen under. <laughs> and then today he jumped four spots. Four spots. He jumped yeah. like eighty spots <laughs> or yeah. sixty spots in the apps. I mean, he shot the course record yesterday, and everyone was like, "Oh shoot!" He's like kind of in it and he shoots 13 under today he is not the person you want chasing (laughs) no chasing you down no and that Um, was like i can't imagine being isaac robinson in that situation i'm choking all day yeah he mentioned in the interview that like on hole 12 that par five like before he got up to it he saw that both ab and eagle eagled it and that they were a lot closer and he was like oh no and then that was the (laughs) hole that he went ob on was that hole, yeah. like, right off the tee. And I was like, that probably had to have been, like, oh, shoot, I see these people catching up. And then I accidentally threw one OB. And I can't imagine. But the, like, ability to stay calm and collected and to still perform following that, seeing how hot those two were at the time, yep. I, uh, there's, there's no way. <laughs> like, there's yes, absolutely no. no way. It's, I, would, I would, yeah, I would crumble like a cookie, like crumble cookies. <laughs> Uh, I think Eagle McMahon ended up falling out of the race for first place. I think it was 16 where he threw OB. You know what I'm talking about? So Which was on f- insane. Yeah, 16 he threw OB, but on 15 he hit first available Ooh, in yes. the woods. But so he still he had a par, and he could still yeah. get those. He would have been but, 45, and at the time I think Isaac was 45. 
when he was on hole 16. Yes, he could have been 45. So in his mind, he could have been 45. He might not have won. Yes. But on 16, he throws like this insanely An long insane shot drive. with the mid-range. Yeah. yeah. Goes OB, absolutely parks the upshot to get the par. Um, so Anthony Barella, this was where the real drama was, was Anthony Barella, Eagle McMahon, Matty O, all tied for second place with all relatively, I mean, I feel like they were all within 50 feet of each other on hole 18 for their upshot for birdie. Anthony yeah. Barella sticks for like a 15-footer or whatever. Both Eagle McMahon and Matty O have pretty darn good shots that roll OB. Yeah, literally uh, both. Uh, both yeah. of them, I was like, "Oh, this is parked," and then it just sticks up and rolls down the edge. And I was like, "Yes, well, they that's were like identical." Sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it does suck, but super good for Anthony Barella. We know he like crumbled, also like a cookie yeah. at the European Open, and it was super <laughs> sad to see. He really earned second place, and he gave his all to get uh, to get the win here. But Anthony Barella popped off. Eagle McMahon and Matteo. Win OB there. Um, so we have a couple... We'll have a couple send it or end it. Or, yeah, right. thinking about doing a new one that's called... I guess it's the same thing. Hot taker based. <laughs> uh, so, hot taker based. Isaac Robinson, as of right now, is the player of the year. Or should be the player of the year. If the season ended right now... Then I would say yes, absolutely. Like he is a player based, of the year. <laughs> based. He is based. Um, Explained. Like, uh, so two majors. First of all, that's, <laughs> that's all insane. you gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really it. But in all honesty, like if you honestly ask most people, because I think Isaac, technically according to UDISC World Rankings, was in like seventh or eighth going into this. Um, I'm actually going to verify that because I can do that right now. Um, <laughs> did it move him up yet? <laughs> Wait, does this actually... Rankings are up to date through the world champions. Isaac went from 8th to 6th. In the and world rankings? In the world rankings according to Ugh, Udisc. Dude, and that's Udisc how you know so bad. <laughs> Eagle McMahon went from 3rd to 2nd with a third place finish what? at the world rankings. That's crazy. Um, and jumped Paul Macbeth, who is currently in third now. So I understand that UDISC has world rankings. They're not accurate. And if you ask anybody honestly, yeah, the Pro Tour standings probably accurately described the top players in the world at this point. I think which so. Which was Calvin, Gannon, yes. and Isaac. Because and that's what this is, and if you like, like I'm say, uh, like if you take all of the best players in the world and put them in a tournament, and you were to say the best players in the world are going to finish the best. Here you have it: yeah. Isaac Robinson, Calvin Heimberg, Gannon are like guaranteed going to be in the top. Yeah, absolutely. And so <laughs> at this point, those are the people that have the most wins. Well, I think Simon has two elite series, but Isaac has two majors, um, and. Yeah, Isaac still hasn't won an Elite Series this year. So between those three, if you're talking Calvin, Isaac, and Gannon, I still think Isaac has the edge, especially if you're not taking Silver Series into account. Yeah, that's true. Because Gannon has three wins, Isaac now has two, and I believe Calvin should also have two. I think so, yeah. Yeah, two. And so technically they're all fairly close in wins, but Isaac, Isaac has, has two, two majors, majors, and one of them is probably the hardest event that you had to win this entire year. 
So yeah. for that, like for that reason, if the season ended right now, then I would say absolutely it has to be Isaac as Player of the Year. Um, just because I think you could make an argument for both Gannon and Calvin because Calvin's been consistent, but he still has fewer wins than Gannon does. But I like Isaac has played fairly consistently the whole year. Yeah, um, for no, the most he's part. Had, I mean, some like somewhat blunders, but none like I think. So his worst finish was the first tournament of the year. Yes, Isaac yeah. was. And he played pretty bad. Um, but aside from that, he's been, like, his first few tournaments were rough, and then after that he played really consistently, like, for most of the time. And I just I don't see why you wouldn't give it to him as of right now. Yeah, I think it's 100% based. Two majors, I think they said, I can't remember the year, they threw up the stat. It was either 2019 or it was 2009. Yeah. <laughs> was it 2019? Okay, yeah. yeah. It's the first time two an MPO player has won two majors since Paul McBeth in 2019. I would like to see if there's many before that that are not Paul McBeth. Um, it's like unheard of to do in today's day and age with such a young player. Super crazy, definitely. And it's Worlds, so you weight it differently. Like yeah. if it was Worlds in an Elite Series... I still think there's like a kind of conversation of like, I mean, he's up there for yeah. still being the player of the year, but it's two majors. There's just nothing. I don't know. I don't think there's anything you can say. I know Calvin Heinberg has the consistency, but there's just no shot that, yeah, you can, we're talking wins. We're not yep. talking about practice. No. <laughs> uh, so the for other storyline that I wanted to get into, and this is another, is this hot take or based uh, McBeast, like the Paul Macbeth magic, is kind of over. What do you What do you think? Hot take or based? I would say based. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, thirteenth isn't bad at the World Championships compared to how competitive the field was. Yeah. But you just don't see him dominating anymore, and I think that had a lot to. Like that was a lot of the magic of Paul Macbeth was to see him in contention every week and then coming from behind and winning it or dominating. And you haven't really seen that at all this year. You've seen him play well. You saw him win in Europe. You saw him win an elite series in Europe, but you don't see this whole like, oh, Paul Macbeth is four strokes back. Yeah, there's probably a chance that he could come up and win. And then he does it. Like you haven't seen that at all. Yeah. And that's what I feel like a lot of times with is if Paul was within four or five strokes going into the last day, then you you better be worried type of deal. Yes, um, no, it was, yeah. He used to be like the Tiger Woods with the red shirt on right. Sunday where you're like, if he's anywhere near the top, you're kind of shaking in your boots. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, yeah. which you, like, that's something that Paul had where Calvin has had the consistency but hasn't been able to pull off that magic. Yeah. Because, like, today Calvin was four back of Isaac, and I was like, uh, Calvin's not going to win. There's no shot. Like, if somebody was going to win that wasn't Isaac, it wasn't going to be Calvin. Like, I didn't – there wasn't a second in my mind that Calvin could have. No, yeah, which is sad because he just has yeah. – I feel like he has everything. I feel like he's, like, he one of the best distance throwers, one of the best precision throwers, yeah. one of the best putters – Dude, like Isaac, this is insane, man. Isaac probably didn't throw a single forehand. <laughs> and no, he, he won didn't. The World Championship at 
the GMC courses, which are pretty tight. Yeah. I saw a lot of forehands from other players, yeah. a ton of forehands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hole 18 is literally a backhand and then a forehand. Yeah. But not for Isaac. Uh, <laughs> insane. I'm also yeah. going to say based because I think like I think Paul Macbeth used to be in a field of players like pre-2020, really. Even like 2019, 2018, it was more competitive, of course. But Paul Macbeth was in a field of players where Paul Macbeth's like training up to that point put him in a spot where if he just he could will it, you know, he could be like, yeah. I'm putting my foot on the gas. I can I can make this happen. Yeah. And I feel like now with people like Gannon Burr, Isaac Robinson, even like Cole Radolin, you like these young guys who are just primed to be to maybe like surpass the amount of skill that Paul Macbeth had when he was in his prime. Cause that's how it goes with sports very often, especially young sports. You just see like records being broken. You see newer players who have like committed their life to the sport since they were eight years old and they've yep. had a personal coach. Like that didn't exist before. Paul Macbeth didn't that's have true. that. Paul Macbeth was just that freaking insane at the sport. Uh, I th- I don't know. The young talent is wild right now. Like Evan Scott. Evan Scott kind of like I don't want to say has flown under the radar. We've seen him a lot, but yeah. I can't remember how old he is. He's like 12. He's 18. <laughs> he's 18. Yeah, he's also Cole 18. Cole is also 18. Also 18. Which I had yeah. no idea. There these 18-year-olds that are playing the level of disc golf that like Ricky and Paul McBeth were playing, I feel like, when they were 25 to 28 years old. And yeah. these guys are 10 years behind them when they were there, and they're playing that level uh, and that kind of talent. Um, and I think Evan Scott's kind of a wild player right now. Like, you can look at his scorecard from this round, and it's yeah. like birdie, 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 double bogey, birdie, 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 triple bogey, yeah. birdie, 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 birdie. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's a little while all over the place. But this year has been super impressive from people like Evan Scott, Cole Radolin. I mean, Kyle Klein is also maybe 19 or 20. Alden Harris I think is he's like, like 20. 22. Uh, yeah, Isaac's I think 22, Isaac, 23. Kyle, Alden, I think they're all fairly Gannon similar. Burr is 18 or 19. Yeah, it's like there's, there's a bunch of 18-year-olds and there's a bunch of 22-year-olds. And they're all cracked. At, yes at disc golf that's yeah for sure. which is awesome and it's what we want to see but it's hard like i just don't think that no matter what paul Macbeth does i mean maybe he can train as hard as any other human being like harder than anybody else and get there but i don't know like he has the money like that might make the difference is that he can like actually commit to like higher levels of training because of the money he has which might like might sound one way or another but like training technology like if you have ever seen a behind the scenes of like a d1 schools football program the way that they train their athletes sets them up for way more success and sometimes you have the natural talent but i guess what i'm trying to say is like he cannot will himself to win anymore i don't think he can just like show like he plays the way that he does in elite series where he seems like he I think he's even gone on record as saying like I don't really care about a lot of these elite series. Like yes, I want to win and I'm going to try and win. But it's pretty much like USDGC and Worlds that he's super trying hard to win and I just don't think that that Macbeth magic of like it's Worlds, I'm going to put my brows down and do it. He can't do Which, that anymore. 
And it's funny you say that because he went on record this week as saying that this was his last tournament and that he's not going to play USDGC. Wow. And so That's I sad. was very surprised to see that. And I really yeah. don't believe it, honestly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, really I know his don't. shoulder has been bothering him. And so the I fact know. that he finished, like, if you asked me if he could win another world championship, I would say for sure he could sneak yeah. one in there. Absolutely. Uh, he's in the top 13 with like a kind of hurting shoulder, which is insane. And that shows you maybe there's still some Macbeth magic. But the way that Isaac has dominated the tournaments that he has won. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he only won by two strokes. It basically was three strokes, though. He laid up a 15, 20-footer for bogey at the end. Like, he played yeah. the last hole super safe. He, I mean, it's insane. Like, he destroyed. He went wire to wire at Championship Cup. At yeah. Idlewild when he won. What we were talking about is that Isaac Robinson's best right now is better than everyone else's best. <laughs> like, Ever. if everyone on the same day plays their best... Isaac Robinson's going to win. Yeah. And he might not always play his best, but when he does, no one else can compete. And I feel like we can't say that about Paul McBeth anymore. No. I would agree with that. That's my take. I don't know. I love Paul McBeth. <laughs> I love watching him play. He I picked him to win because I was like, he has the McBeth magic. I know his shoulder was bothering him, and maybe that was a bigger deal. Maybe that was a bigger deal than he let on. So, I don't know. He's still, I mean, like I said, this is a tournament of almost 300 of the best players in the world, and he came in 13th yeah. with a hurt shoulder. Yeah. So, maybe there's some Macbeth magic. I don't know. You guys let us know what you think somehow. Let us know <laughs> on Instagram or something. Um, yeah, some other, we'll get into some controversy now. A little bit of controversy. <laughs> uh, Brody Smith posted recently, eight hours ago, is what I'm looking at. Um, he posted, I'll read this for you guys. It says, this is outrageous. Nobody is willing to call them out, so I will. This card is four holes behind the card in front of them. Why hasn't the PGA done anything about this? We will continue to suffer with slow play until this changes. And he posted a screenshot of a certain card. The uh, first card that it shows is Kevin Jones, Jeremy Colling, Ezra Aderhold, and Chandler Kramer, um, and they're all on hole 17. And then the card below that, Andrew Presnell, Luke Taylor, Nico LaCastro, and Nick Newton are on hole 13. They're four holes behind the card in front of him, and of course what Brody Smith is implying is that that card is each either like, I don't know, there's no way they're following the like 30-second rule, where you have 30 se- or 35, whatever it is, 30 seconds to throw, there's no way they're following that rule, and they're four holes behind. Is what Brody Smith is saying. Did you catch any any like live footage of this card at all? I don't know why they would be showing them, but what's your what's your opinion <laughs> on this, Josiah? Not. Um, I I want to say I'm like fifty fifty on it. I understand like the concept of playing slow, but the real question is one: it doesn't show the card behind the card that's playing slow like to see if they're being affected by it and it also doesn't like we 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 don't know what might have happened and also like maybe the card in front of them is just playing super well and they were getting a lot of birdies and you know they're just taking fewer shots that also has a big deal to do it as well like that that could be a case um actually looking at this screenshot 
yeah, two of those players were minus 10. And minus 10 is the combined score of the slow card. Yeah, um, yeah so, there's a chance that they were just so, playing so really bad. Yeah. So there's <laughs> a chance a that one card, was, <laughs> so one card was playing really good. One card was playing really bad. And maybe that's part of it. Um, but at the same time, I like I just don't know if it's affecting the card behind them. And I, there's no way I can go and fact check that now just because the round's over. Yeah, the round's but, over. I I do agree with him on the fact that some players play it very slow. And, I mean, you look back to when they played Northwoods Black and everybody's like there's super long backups on hole 12. And that, I agree with, is just unacceptable. You can't have that long backups in the pro field. You just can't. I understand. But there's they spread out the tee times to account for that. And there just needs to be things that happen to help with it. And I think slow play is one of those issues that can be fixed. And it's not everybody, but it is definitely some people. Yeah, it's hard to say. I've definitely been in some shotgun starts where slow play, like, sucks. I don't know if it actually affected my play. I know it's like being iced and getting out of your groove. There's definitely not any scientific study that says it it works or not. Um but, yeah, it's hard to tell. I don't think Brody Smith should be the one calling them out, per se, because, like you said, we don't know exactly what happened. And, it, it like, the score of that card is through 13 holes, one down, two down, three down, four down. Wow, it's one, two, three, four. Um, they were throwing more shots, significantly more shots than the card in front of them. So the card in front of them was kind of tearing up the course, and they were, I don't know, maybe they had a bunch of OB shots where they had to look for their discs. They're using all 30 seconds. I mean, we know Nico LeCastro is using all 30 seconds of his throw each time. Uh, but I don't know. Like, unless there was a, the person who needed to do it would have been the people who were behind them. Yeah. That would have been appropriate for them to say, we've waited for like 20 minutes on every hole for this card to tee off. Uh, but I feel like there were officials at almost every hole. There was a lot of, they, they were very careful about all of the, like having PDGA officials out there on the course to help out. And yeah. so I feel like some, if something dramatic was happening, I feel like somebody would have seen it or said something or maybe not, maybe it's worlds and everyone's kind of nervous and they're just like, I mean, I definitely don't want to be the, <laughs> I definitely don't want to be the <laughs> official that has to tell Nico LeCastro to speed up because I, I, you know, uh, yeah, unless you're true. ready to get in a fight, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't think Brody Smith should have been the one, but he's going to get a lot of interaction on that post. So I respect yeah. the game. <laughs> There's like 500 comments on that post. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and I've seen I've seen two other people share it as well. So. It's definitely something that people understand. And yeah, so maybe there is some drama. On. Maybe there's some more controversy, um, but I don't know. Also, yeah, just scrolling down the list, a couple other things I feel like worth mentioning. Gavin Babcock came in 29th. So the yeah. whole vlog squad really popped off. Like, huge yeah. shout-out to the boys for being able to goof around and make funny videos and then pop off. <laughs> like, yeah, for real. Awesome. Ricky Wysocki came in 12th, which is also awesome to see. It's just kind of sad because I feel like the era, I mean, it's not sad, maybe sad in a kind of nostalgic way, but 
the age of Ricky Wysocki and Paul McBeth having the edge on every other player. I mean, Ricky had Lyme, recovered for a long time. Paul McBeth is mm-hmm. like an old man with a hurt shoulder. He's a dad. <laughs> Going to be a dad <laughs> yeah. soon. Yeah, I feel like we're it's out true. of the Ricky and Paul McBeth just like clobbering everyone era. Yeah. Oh, so we've been sad. out of that era for a little bit, but I don't think we realized it until recently. Yeah. And I mean, so. it's awesome to see because those are the four guys. Some of the four guys I'm talking about is Ricky, Paul, Eagle, and Simon. And they're yeah. all still basically in the top 10, top yeah, 15. Absolutely. Of this crazy field. So that's awesome to see. It's not fully over yet. Our boys are still here. But it's it, it makes me feel sad because I th- I'm a big tennis fan, and that's pretty much what's happening in tennis. Like, we freaking we lost Federer to age. <laughs> we lost Nadal <laughs> to age. It's just, yep. And Andy Murray is kind of washed. Like, the big four horsemen are just, it, we're, it's the end of an era. Roger Federer retiring. So these guys aren't retiring, but I feel like it's the end of an era. The young guns are are here. And they're absolutely wild. Uh, super yeah. excited, though. Super excited for Ezra or Isaac Robinson. All the boys. Um, oh, yeah. Let's talk about the Disc Golf Network a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I don't know. There's a few things. There's quite right. a few things. <laughs> I could say a million things about the Disc Golf Network because yeah. I watched a lot of the Disc Golf Network this week. Um and I think if I could say, th- I, it's hard for me to, I'll, I'll be honest, it's hard for me to talk about the Disc Golf Network and not be negative after watching this week. <laughs> and I am extremely grateful to have live coverage. Like, extremely grateful. Mm. I def- I haven't watched Jomez in, I think I've watched it like once this year. And that's not because I don't like Jomez. I just like live coverage better and i prefer watching it live because i followed along live anyway and then i would just watch the post coverage because i liked it but now i just don't have as much free time as i used to watch post coverage and so i just prefer to watch it live because i'm following along anyway and i think if i had to boil down my experience this week into three things one um i would say that the commentators tend to go for quantity over quality of Mm. what they have to say about anything that's going on at any point. Um, Like, I I don't understand the point of what is a ham bone. Um, And I heard that (laughs) a lot this week of the word ham bone. And I understand the, you know, analogy, but it doesn't make sense. And I'm just like, you don't need to say that after every two shots. Um, And there was just a lot of, uh, just a lot of little mistakes on things that were said before actually knowing what happened. Yes. Um, Like they were confident in their opinions of things that were not factual. Uh, The other thing I know, I mentioned this to you guys already. It kind of felt like watching, um the office where it's like it's it's just so <laughs> cringy, cringy sometimes yeah. <laughs> but you just can't turn it off because of that reason it just makes it also somewhat entertaining to to watch on that regards and i think the other thing i will have to say about it is i've been saying this for months now but the disc golf network put on featured holds this week which was super awesome um for especially for people who didn't have the Disc Golf Network, they could still watch a little bit on YouTube, and I loved it. And 
the commentator they had on this morning for the FPO coverage. It's the guy who does the European coverage. I can't for- remember his name. Oh, it's yeah, like I don't know his name. Asa something. Um, I can't remember his name. But I literally muted the FPO commentators <laughs> and I turned on the featured holes and I could watch the FPO live coverage of lead card. And I was listening to this guy perfectly describe what was happening. And I was like, I, I literally felt like I was watching both at the same time, even though I was only listening to one because I could understand what he was saying about what yeah. was happening. Like I knew who yeah. was throwing, what hole they were throwing, whether it was an approach shot, it was a putt, it was a drive, and I knew what happened. And I did mm. not get that from the actual lead card coverage. Sometimes I didn't know who, like if I wasn't watching, I, would, I wouldn't know who, but it's like sometimes you it just cuts to someone and they say, Oh wow, that was a terrible throw. And you're like, well, who was it and, and what hole? Like if you weren't yeah. looking at it, you wouldn't know. And that's where I kind of get the whole feeling of it was just quantity over yeah, quality. I, th- they were just I mean, I'm gonna say, to say that they say do things. not they do not think that anyone is listening and not watching, which like maybe they should. No, but I definitely and, think and I that they do not think about that. And I understand that, that <laughs> but like just that concept of it's not adding value to the production no, when you're just not, saying yeah. things to say things. It's not actually being described. It's it's the whole like concept of when you're in college and you're like, oh man, I need another hundred words for this essay, and you just fill it up with fluff just because you have a word requirement or something like that. That's what I felt like today. Is just yeah. the whole, you know, the poison for Cusco. Cusco's poison. <laughs> yeah. The poison chosen Cusco's specifically poison. to kill Cusco. <laughs> like that's that's what I felt like I was listening to. Like yes. the whole the whole week. And it was just like it, it bothered me a little bit, but again, I'm super grateful to have live coverage. I know that they've got things they're working on. I know it's new, and I think that the commentators might be something they should look at for next season and i really hope that they do even if they keep the same ones if maybe they you know send them to some training or something like that that would be yes yeah we awesome. talked about that before but, um like i i just felt like the commentators aren't actually adding value to the production i would almost rather watch it without sound yeah no i agree i don't want to be too overly critical but cringy is just the word for it yeah. very often disc golf i feel like for a long time it's char it was it had this charm of being the ordinary person's sport and so sometimes it was quirky and funny and whatever but now they're in this situation this sort of limbo where they want to be a professional mainstream sport they have ll bean as a sponsor yeah. they have legit graphics packages they have two or three commercials that are halfway decent <laughs> and yeah. uh no a lot like, of them are really good yeah, it's like this mix of professionalism and then commentating that sounds like I'm talking like it's it's these two dads talking to each other that have they're fully out of touch <laughs> with anything going on. And they are we talked about the issue of watching from a booth where we have like it's not like golf where they can sit in the booth and we have they have no, like they can see the ball and all of the analytics that come from the inside of the ball because we have tracking and stuff like that. They're sitting in a booth watching the same thing we're watching at home. Yeah. So they cannot give us any more insight than what we're seeing. They can give their opinions. Maybe they played the mm-hmm. course, but they can't see where the disc landed any better than we can. 
<laughs> so right? it's kind of it's yeah. an issue. Uh, and then they'll throw it down to Brian Earhart, and he'll be like, like, they'll be like, man, that was a terrible shot. Can you tell us more about that, Brian? He'll be like, yeah, that was a great shot. He's parked. <laughs> and we're like, okay, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah. I, Thanks, I Brian. will say, I think my favorite <laughs> moment from coverage this week actually came from a bright moment of Philo's, which was the third round when they were at Brewster, and it was hole 17. And Isaac Robinson was throwing his upshot. It's a par four. And the green is very small on hole 17 at Brewster. And on the left side, there is a bunch of trees. And Isaac lets go and immediately turns around like he thinks it's a bad shot. And it goes straight for the trees. Mm. And Ian goes, oh, man, that was a terrible shot. And Philo goes, nah, he's parked. And Ian goes, no, he's, <laughs> it was a terrible shot. He turned away. And Philo goes, nah, just watch. He's going to get up there. And it's going to be like... 15 feet away and sure enough you get like later on and isaac has a 15 foot putt like it went through the trees who knows what happens but he had a clear 15 foot putt after wow. that and it, it it looked it genuinely looked like a terrible throw like i was like "Ooh, that sucks and i was like nope it's parked and yeah and it was i don't want i like i i've heard complaints about philo and ian specifically uh from a few people i don't i really i kind of enjoy philo that's just like a personal thing i think some people are like i mean he's just not he doesn't sound like a professional commentator i like the more laid back he i don't know but it does it just feels like maybe they told them one point like you do color commentary and the other person is going to be more descriptive or whatever and it's like not happening i don't know it doesn't happen (laughs) with whoever yes just maybe some more training The quality of the video was not as bad as the past. I was a little worried because, like, this course is known for being out in the woods. It's been spotty before. Um, but the course is so beautiful, and they had they had a lot of things on point. And I can tell they worked very hard to make the course look good. And yeah, the camera sure. work was pretty good. It's getting there. Like, this is yeah. probably the best we've seen. <laughs> so they are working hard. I don't want to be hypercritical, but... If I'm giving it like a grade, I'm not giving it an A. That's all I'm going to say. No, that's fair. Goodness. My other complaint was the absolute dumpster fire of an opening ceremony. Did you watch that? No, but you said something about it, and I meant to go back and watch. If anyone here that is listening (laughs) watched the opening ceremony, you will know what I'm talking about, and hopefully you're just laughing right now because it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh my goodness! Well, it, it was clickbait. First of all, basically, I don't. I don't know if they do this every year. This is the first time I've ever seen I've, it streamed. At least, I, there's no way they have because maybe I they maybe they do it and they it. don't normally videotape it or something. But this was bad. I can set the scene for you. I came in late. May, I think they did a couple more things. Maybe they brought in people in a cool way. But when you see something that says world championship opening ceremony what do you picture in your head happening i picture the olympic world uh, same yes opening literally ceremonies. i think of like and the if olympics it if it's not at that standard then it's not good <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean it can be a little bit below that standard but some sort of cool like celebration of the players uh, like a celebration basically kind of deal of the event, of the players, of the countries that they represent, especially when it's worlds. Like, t- like talk about all the countries that are there, maybe some cultural 
things. I don't know. That's what, like, usually whatever the host country is, they do some cool <laughs> cultural things. I don't know what you would do for disc golf. It's a stretch. I don't know what I was imagining, but I was like, oh, opening ceremony. That's cool. I So this is where I jumped in. I open it up. There is a guy who has to be in his mid to late 80s or 90s. <laughs> and he is giving a speech, quote unquote, that is fully a lecture. And this guy, this guy is an Olympic rower, previous Olympic rower. I mean, I don't even what? need to say more, but I will. He was a previous Olympic <laughs> rower who was like 90 years old. And I guess he did stuff for the sport of rowing to make it more mainstream back in the 1800s or whatever. Uh, and he, he literally, I mean, they're pan, they, they made the awful mistake of panning the room and people were literally falling asleep. The chat was super funny. Everyone was like, oh, what is imagine. happening right now? I saw Robbie see an overthrow in there. It was really funny. This guy talked oh, about yeah. rowing. I don't know how long. I came in late. Like, he was towards the end, and it was a solid 20 minutes, 25, 30 minutes of him talking about sports marketing and things he did in rowing. And, I mean, you could – I was shocked. I was like, this is – what is happening right now? I, Why are we? Oh gosh! So I opened it up and I'm scrolling through the stream, and you can see the comments like as you go through, and they're so funny. Yes, dude. And they what's funny is throughout the opening ceremony, people kept bringing it back to rowing because the guy didn't talk about disc golf at all, not at all, not for a second, and and he was just like. Everyone, like, after that, they would, like, announce a winner or something like that of an award, and they'd be like, number one rower goes to, or, like, did, I didn't know that person was a rower. Or, like, I'm in the wrong chat. I thought we were here for rowing. What's happening? And it was, it was great. So after the rowing disaster of this guy talking about, dude, I can't even get it out of my mind how awful it was. But after that, they came up and they, they gave out the, uh, they didn't even give out any awards. They announced the, oh, dude. I'm getting frustrated talking about it because of how bad it was. I wasted my time watching this. Um, they announced Wait, did the they winners give out, like, of last year's awards. Of or something? last year's awards, but they didn't give out awards. They said their name, and the person stood up and waved. That was it. And I was like, "Why? Why are we recognizing the 2022 Rookie of the Year, Player of the Year, play like Sportsmanship of the? Why are we recognizing them?" At 2023 Worlds, maybe they do that every year. Maybe that's a thing. But that is so dumb. <laughs> like, that is terrible. When you win a championship, you go to your hometown, you have a parade like the next month before the start of the season or like the first game of the next season, they give you rings if it's the NBA or the NFL, whatever. You, like, they waited a full year <laughs> to come out. And just say they don't even give that. They probably already have the awards. They probably mailed them out or something. I don't know. Maybe they do this every year, and this is the first time they televise it. But now that they televise it, holy cow, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, absolutely awful. And it gets worse. Sorry, I'm just ranting at this point. But I was nah, like, I wanted to put awesome. in the chat like I. <laughs> so it gets worse. They get up on stage after that. They invite somebody up, and it turns into a players' meeting. It's literally the players meeting. The guy gets up Wait, there what? and he says, just a remind, just a few reminders. And this is another 30 minutes or so. 
And this is a part of the opening ceremony. Like, it's the opening ceremony. It's not the opening ceremony is over and closing announcements, because I watched that too. That was awful. But <laughs> the this is part of the opening ceremony. It's like, there's a lot of wood chips out there, just so you know. Big shout out to the ground crew. Just a reminder, like the 30-second rule or whatever. He was like, just a reminder, you can't take things out of your lie. Just a reminder, this hole has OB here. And it was that. for 30, I was like... I've clickbaited things pretty hard, but I would never clickbait something that's literally a players' meeting and tell you it was the opening ceremony to the World Championship. That's pretty that's bad. That's so funny. Yeah, it was. It was really bad, and maybe I'm just like frustrated that I wasted my time watching it. But I thought it was like oh, I'm sure. A I'm sure the comments blunder. would have been worth it. <laughs> yeah, the chat was pretty funny. Um, but that's my rant. I'm sorry. I'll stop there. But that was so frustrating. I was like, <laughs> dude. You, I had such a cool I think it was because I had such a cool vision in my mind of what it was when I was like, "Whoa, opening ceremony. I've never seen that before." And then yeah, yeah. it was literally I was like, "How? How? <laughs> How do you think this is okay to stream on your YouTube no channel?" No kidding. My goodness. Sorry, that was a major rant. Nah, you're good. I've just kind of skimmed through the whole thing and all the comments while you were talking about Dude, did you see the rowing guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. He was literally like 90 years old, which no offense to 90-year-olds, but why? Oh, dude. Yeah. Wow. No, that's funny. That's awesome. So, <laughs> What's the next Elite Series that we have coming up? Uh, so there's a silver event. Next week, I believe, the Discmania Open, and then we go to MVP, Maple Nice, Hill. yes, we're in the playoffs. So, yes, well, we're midway through the playoffs, midway actually. Midway through the we playoffs. Did, we did some of the playoffs like three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, that's the other um, weird thing about and Worlds. We, and then we went to Worlds. I think that's our real beef with Worlds, is that it's just placed so weird. Yeah. I like the playoff system. I like that. How did you feel about the trophy? Did you see the trophy? I did. I liked it. I really did. I thought it was a cool it, trophy. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I think they need, I mean, I know they need this, but I think they need a uniform trophy for Worlds. Am I crazy Where to think that? By uniform, you mean like the same every year? Yes, not like a literal like, uniform. Yeah, <laughs> like well, no, I mean, by uniform, I mean, okay, so when I say the same every year, do you mean like it's the same trophy and they like put a name on it? or it's I mean like, like the green jacket. This, or like okay. the where yeah, so every player gets gets an actual trophy and it looks the same every year. To yes, gets it. maybe I'm that's a hot take, that. but I think that would, would stop a lot of it. complaints because I still saw complaints that it's glassware and glassware is well, cool. What, but what do they want at this point? Did they want it to be a steering wheel or a disc? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like it's like, just kind of pol- it's kind of polarizing. I feel like glassware. I don't know. I feel yeah. like every other sport has their thing, like. NBA, NFL, they give you the rings. Uh, tennis, it's a plate or a cup. Like, you win the cup, you know? And it's awesome. Right. And it's the Masters, you have the green jacket. Right. So, why is World... I saw a really funny meme that was uh, Jeff Springs in a garage. And it was like Jeff Springs picking out the next World's trophy. <laughs> and he's just, like, looking around a garage full of junk. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, do think disc I, golf trophies are a little cheesy, in my opinion. They are, but I don't know. Like, I don't think anybody has figured it out. Like, I couldn't tell you what would make a good trophy. I genuinely true. couldn't. So. Yeah, I guess I don't have a real solution, but I think uniformity would help so that it's not like 
I don't know. Imagine being the per- imagine Paul Macbeth having that freaking the tr- the trophy from last year's Worlds. Yeah. What do you do with that? I'm not hanging that That's on true. a wall. I don't care if I won Worlds. <laughs> like, this yep. thing is hideous. That's true. I'm just gonna yeah put up a plaque or something <laughs> it was definitely better than last year's that's for sure yes that's true uh, i thought I, the glass I, I was kind of cool yeah i did too i thought it looked really cool i because i remember when they handed it to him i was like oh it's a decent looking trophy for once like that's what i thought like that was my first thought so yeah i, or I guess maybe do something it. that like represents where the worlds was at would be cool definitely didn't happen last year yeah, yeah unless there's true. i don't know Emporia is known for like children's arts and crafts, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So I didn't hate it, but though I'm sure with how big it's getting eventually it will get figured out, you know. Yeah, hopefully that's I think yeah. I think maybe uniformity is because I think the format for worlds is cool. After watching it this year, like we mentioned earlier, I think it's cool. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think uniformity overall is what we're missing. Like, the kind of randomness of Worlds feels not professional. It feels not as special as a spectator. When it switches courses every year and it's just like whoever bids for it gets... Like, the first person pretty much to bid for it gets it because nobody's bidding for it for some reason or can afford to. Mm -hmm. So it rotates around. There's different trophy every year there's different expectations every year it's yeah i think uniformity overall is something that it lacks like usdgc is basically getting close not i don't know i don't want to say it's close to the same prestigious worlds because it's not no one's buying paul Macbeth, whatever like paul Macbeth five times six time world champion discs are way cooler than any usdgc discs but our people value them more but USDGC is very prestigious because it's the same thing every year, and it's sick. The ma- I guess the Masters is the ultimate example. The Masters is insanely awesome, and it's because of nice. the course. It's because of the green jacket. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I guess huh. we've talked about worlds enough. <laughs> you guys, be fair. sure to let us uh, let us know what you think, and I think we're gonna close it out here. Unless yeah. you have any final remarks, Josiah. No, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it reinvigorated me to want to play more disc golf, um, so I promptly signed up for a tournament. Um, nice. <laughs> which I will will not shoot negative 12, um, <laughs> which is also sad because it's a doubles tournament. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I really just want to go out and play disc golf after watching it all yeah. week. Um, that's the goal, I think, was, of Worlds. So it is so fun. goal accomplished. And it's also a little exciting because I think there was a lot of hype around disc golf this week, and I think people are going to go online, and they're going to be excited about what they find this week. That is for sure. Yes. So. Uh, everybody, again, if you're still listening at this point, God bless you. You're a hero. <laughs> um, Survivor. Disc Golf Survivor is airing this week. Whatever day this is live, there are Disc Golf Survivor episodes up Every day this week, Monday through Sunday, we are posting. It's a literal reality show with a $1,000 grand prize. All of the mm-hmm. challenges are disc golf. It's a ton of fun. So it would mean a ton to us if you guys, if you're our true fans here listening at the end of this <laughs> podcast, be sure to show out, drop a like, drop a comment on the video. Uh, if you, Yeah, 
it's getting a, it's it would mean great. a lot to us it's gonna be a ton of oh, fun yeah. the videos look really funny <laughs> they're they're awesome uh but yeah thank you all so much for listening uh yeah go out and play some disc golf for aspire real. to be like isaac yeah. robinson <laughs> that's true awesome we'll <laughs> see you guys next i don't know when we're gonna film podcast again mvp open <laughs> before the no we'll, we'll have one next week next week we'll, that's yeah for sure. you'll listen to us eventually <laughs> again <laughs> see ya stay swanky Take care. stay swanky <laughs>